In a few moments, we're going to hear the Christmas story from the perspective of someone who witnessed it from start to finish. We're going to hear the angel Gabriel tell his story. Or at least I'm going to attempt to tell the story from Gabriel's perspective. But before I do that, I need to acknowledge the material is not original to me. I have adapted it from the work of another pastor called David Johnson, and he had already adapted it from Colin Smith. So a few of us have worked on it in various stages, but I hope that it helps us to look at the truths of Christmas in a slightly different way. But before we hear from Gabriel, we're going to join in singing a carol which uses the words of one of Gabriel's colleagues, taken from Luke chapter 2, while shepherds watch their flocks by night. Good morning, everyone. It's lovely to be here today and be part of your Christmas celebrations. It's lovely to see another angel in the church as well this morning, hiding by the wall. Let me just give you a brief word of introduction before I get into my story. My name is Gabriel. I was chosen to be God's special messenger, not just on one, but on three occasions. The first time was when I was sent to the prophet Daniel. He had been given a vision that he didn't understand, and I was sent to help him make sense of it. You can read about that in Daniel chapters 8 and 9. The second time, I was sent to a man called Zechariah. He was a priest serving in the temple of God. My mission then was to announce the birth of John the Baptist. I told Zechariah the word of God, but he didn't believe it. And you can't have spiritual leaders going around speaking unbelief, can you? So Zechariah's speech was taken from him until his son was born. Then his speech returned and he used it to praise and glorify God. You can read about that in Luke chapter 1. My third mission was to visit a young country girl in her early teens. There's a young woman, I was told, to whom you must give this message. It's the most important announcement we have ever made. And the future of the world hangs on it. So, no pressure. When I heard the message I was to give, I was the one who couldn't speak. It was so staggering, I could hardly take it in. I was told to go not to Jerusalem, not to the temple, not to the palace, but to Nazareth, a despised, down-at-heel community of peasant people. You may have heard of Nazareth. When the Israelites mention it, they always say, Can anything good come out of Nazareth? It was that kind of place. Why this particular girl from Nazareth was chosen, I can't say. God's choices are as beyond my understanding as they are glorious. 
Anyway, her name was Mary, and she was a virgin. She was already pledged to be married to a man called Joseph. He was in the line of descent that came from King David. Their marriage was planned, but it hadn't yet taken place. When I appeared to Mary, I said, Greetings, you who are highly favored. The Lord is with you. Quite honestly, I don't know who was more afraid. She of what was happening, or me of how she might respond. I mean, if she was to scream and run away, what was I supposed to do then? But it was obvious she was a young woman of faith. She seemed to sense I had come as a messenger from the Lord. I could see how troubled she was, so I said to her, Don't be afraid, Mary. You have found favor with God. The word favor means grace. You have been graced by God. That's what I told her. And it wasn't just her. That's the amazing thing. It was you as well. The whole human race has been graced by God in the coming of Jesus into the world. The only question is, how will you respond to his grace? Well, then I gave Mary this message. You will conceive, I said, and you will give birth to a son. You're to call him Jesus. He will be great and will be called the Son of the Most High. The Lord God will give him the throne of his father David. He will reign over Jacob's descendants forever. His kingdom will never end. I paused. I wondered what she would say. It seemed like time stood still. And then she spoke. How will this be, since I am a virgin? Well, that wasn't easy to explain. To find words to express the greatest mystery that your world or ours has ever known. But what I said to her was this. The Holy Spirit will come on you, and the power of the Most High will overshadow you. So the Holy One to be born will be called the Son of God. How the light and life of heaven could take a human form is beyond what even angels can grasp. How he could be as helpless as a human child is beyond what we can fathom. But all I can say is what I said to Mary. No word from God will ever fail. After that, I held my breath. Well, we don't actually have breath, but you know what I mean. I wanted to see what she would say. God would never do this work through someone who was unwilling. Mary had a choice to make. And I trembled as I waited to hear what she would say. I am the Lord's servant, she said. May your word to me be fulfilled. Whew. Job done. 
At least my job was done. And so it was that nine months later, Jesus was born. A whole company of my colleagues appeared in the sky that night, the heavenly host. We came praising God and announcing the good news. And our audience that night was a group of startled shepherds. They were out looking after their sheep on the Bethlehem hills. In the months and years after that, we just marveled as we watched Jesus grow up. He was everything God intended a human being to be. Imagine, we said to each other, imagine if other men and women could become like him. His ministry brought more good to the world than anything we had seen in all of human history. And it happened over a period of just three years. And that's why we could hardly believe what happened next. You people crucified him. I'll never forget that day. We watched as he was beaten and bound and led away. We waited for him to call us for deliverance. We were ready. Thousands of us just waiting for his call. But he never did call us. When he was nailed to the cross, we said to the Father, Please, let us go now. But he held us back. God's patience at human sin has always amazed us. But this had to be humanity's day of reckoning. We knew God's judgment must fall that day. But as we watched, we realized the judgment for human sin was falling on Jesus. He was absorbing it in his own body on your behalf. He was actually making himself the sacrifice, the sacrifice for your sins. And then he died. And heaven fell silent. It wasn't until the third day we understood what God was really doing. I will never forget that glorious morning. The corpse of Jesus had been laid out in a sealed tomb, and it was animated that morning with his life. His human body was transformed and energized for all eternity. Some women came the tomb that morning, they came looking for his body. One of my colleagues was sent to tell them, he's not here, he's risen. After that, he appeared to his disciples many times, and then he ascended into heaven. You can imagine our joy at having him back. But I'll tell you, your joy should be greater than ours. 
You see, he didn't die for angels. When he came into the world, it wasn't the nature of angels he assumed. He became a man. He died and rose for people like you. There is a man in heaven today. And his name is Jesus. He's there for you. He's the pioneer. He's the first of many, many men and women who will become like him. Men and women who will be given new, resurrected bodies in a new heaven and a new earth. He is your hope. He is your Savior. He is your Lord. And all the talk in heaven is about his second coming. I'll be with him then, and so will Mary and Joseph and everyone else who has put their trust in him. And all his people who are still living will rise to meet him in the air, to welcome him. You'll see me then, but you'll be much more interested in him. I've only got another minute, then I really must fly. But let me just say this. There are some things known to us that are hidden from you. And there are some things known to you that are hidden from us. We angels cannot imagine what it's like to be forgiven. To be reconciled to God. We cannot imagine what that's like because we have not experienced your tragedy. We've never been lost. So we don't know what it's like to be found. We've not sinned. So we can't know what it is really like to be forgiven. But then there are other things that are known to us and hidden from you. You cannot imagine heaven or hell. I've seen them both. You cannot begin to imagine what he has saved you from or what he has saved you for. But having seen it, I tell you, we find it staggering that so few of you human beings give any thought to your eternal future. Jesus came into the world to seek and save the lost. That's why when anyone repents and comes back to him, there's such joy and celebration among us angels in heaven. I know I speak for all of us when I say Jesus Christ is our greatest joy. Is he yours? You see, that's how you know if you belong to heaven. Jesus is the joy of heaven. And he's the joy of all who belong there too. That's my story. And so may God bless you and give you a very happy Christmas. 
We're going to close by singing one of my favorite carols, Angels from the Realms of Glory.